Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home When the Muslims got to Cyprus The people of Cyprus surrendered And both the parties agreed to a peace treaty and the main clause in that peace treaty was that the people of Cyprus would remain neutral and would not form an alliance with the Byzantine army that was the main condition that the Muslims put forward to the people of Cyprus Alhamdulillah the Muslims returned back from this expedition of entering the island of Cyprus and this is the very first Muslim navy in the annals of Islamic history which was led by Hazrat Amir Muawiyah and it proved to be a great success Alhamdulillah Muslims were now very very confident they felt that they could secure the Muslim borders by land and now they could even secure the Muslim borders by sea so it was overall a great success for the Muslims when the Muslims returned back Hazrat Amir Muawiyah decided to give the charge of the entire Muslim navy to a very young man whose name is Hazrat Abdullah ibn Qas again this is a name that we need to remember Abdullah ibn Qas a very young man and a man who was in charge of the entire Islamic navy during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala again the selection very accurate, precise that Amir Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala chose someone who was considered to be the most muttaqi amongst those who were living in the coastal area of the Islamic Empire and Abdullah ibn Qas was also a great scholar well known for his taqwa very very muttaqi he was very very sincere and 
he, he had actually attained freedom from following his whims and desire very muttaqi, very sincere and well accepted by the people and Hazrat Amir Muawiyah gave him the charge of the Islamic Navy he was a man who had explored the seas and the ocean and mashallah he was an expert uh, on this subject uh, he would understand how to actually uh, patrol the seas and to make sure that there was no threat coming from the Byzantine army this was his duty very very brave it is said that every time he went out he would pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make dua for the protection of his people and also for the protection of himself subhanallah it is said that when Hazrat Amir Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala an had given him charge he led 50 campaigns by sea 50 campaigns by sea is not a joke and all of them were a great success mashallah some in the summer months and some in the winter months and at times if things were very difficult and there was a need for him to take a risk he would do it himself he would actually take his own boat as a scout quickly get to the Byzantine territory and see what the movement was with the enemies and come back with information and he did that successfully only on one occasion however it comes in the books of history that Hazrat Abdullah ibn Qasim was given information that the Byzantine army had decided to launch an attack to the Muslims and what he did is that he decided to uh, take his own boat as a scout to quickly go and see if that information given to him was the truth and just to see what preparation the Byzantines have done so in the night very quickly he left from the port of Akka to go to the Byzantine territory and he was an expert in maneuvering the boat to the direction he wanted he was a great sailor and he got there, when he got to the Byzantine territory he noticed that a lot of the people living in that part of the region, the coastal area were very poor miskin tesab and a lady came to him this was in the early hours of the day a lady came to him and looked at Abdullah ibn Qas and when she looked at Abdullah ibn Qas obviously Abdullah ibn Qas was in a disguise making sure that nobody recognizes him and he also knew the place very well and he was sure that this lady does not recognize him and she put the hands forward and she said I want some money she was begging to Abdullah ibn Qas Abdullah ibn Qas gave her money when he gave her money what she did is that she ran quickly to the village and she started shouting at the guards and at the officers and saying that you people are asleep you are looking for Abdullah ibn Qas and I have found Abdullah ibn Qas you people are looking for Abdullah the curse of a woman you are looking for Abdullah ibn Qas and I have found Abdullah ibn Qas Abdullah ibn Qas was all alone he would not want to endanger the lives of the Muslimin, the sailors, no 
he would put himself in danger first and this is what he did <coughs> remember this is after at least 50 campaigns by sea so we have covered many years and so the guards quickly looked at this lady and said Abdullah ibn Iqas the Muslim leader here in our territory and said yes he is in the coastal area come and follow me all of the guards came and the guards were shouting at each other we have to catch Abdullah ibn Iqas Abdullah ibn Iqas didn't have a clue that someone was to come to him in the early hours guards and uh, the police that was there they came and this lady pointed at Abdullah ibn Iqas that is him some of the guards had a fair description of Abdullah ibn Iqas when they saw him quickly they got to him restrained him and Alhamdulillah he was all alone despite the fact that he was alone he put up a good fight he put up a good fight but there were too many in numbers and eventually he had to surrender and they did not want to take Abdullah ibn Iqas as a prisoner what they did is that they actually uh, killed him uh, in that part of the region in the coastal area and this was shahadat for Hazrat Abdullah ibn Iqas rahmatullah alayhi Allahu Akbar what we need to understand also is وَيَتَّخِذَ مِنْكُمُ الشُّهَدَى the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes precedence over all and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to give him shahadat and this status of martyrdom indeed is a great honor subhanallah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for him this honor this status to become shaheed in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he became shaheed he passed away now going back to this lady how did this lady know that this man is Abdullah ibn Iqas? Even the guards were quite surprised that how this, this lady, this old lady knew the whereabouts of Abdullah ibn Iqas. So they all came to her and they said, had you seen Abdullah ibn Iqas before that you recognized him? And she said, no. He said, one thing is for sure that the Byzantines are conjuice are misers the Byzantines are misers and it is a well known fact that the Muslims are very very generous magnanimous big hearted people and when they give in the path of Allah they give they give blindly we will even support Manchester City that's who we are so we give blindly <laughs> well for that فَإِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ but when we give, we give. And subhanAllah, I'm talking about the early <coughs> first generations of Muslims. Even the kuffar were influenced of the good character and the features of the Muslims. That, and she said to the guards that this man is a simple man. But when I begged, when he gave, he gave like a king. He's a simple man. But when he gave, he gave like a king. And therefore... <coughs> This man can only be Abdullah ibn Qas. He gave like a king. On the subject of king, it is said that uh, Mullah Dopiaza was a, a great scholar. And uh, the king was in his gathering. And the king said once that, how come I have no hair on the palms of my hands? I have no hair 
on the palms of my hands. Now everybody was looking at each other. How do we answer that? Mullah do piyaza. Bhai Malvi to Malvi hota hai. So Mullah do piyaza said that that's Subhanallah. That's very easy. You've got no hair because you give a lot of wealth in the path of Allah. You are the distributor of wealth. And because you give so much wealth, so much wealth, there is no hair on your palms. The king got very happy. What a good answer. So much wealth, you're giving all the time with your hands, that there is no hair. He got very happy. The next day he was sitting, and he looked at the hands of Mullah Dupiaza. He said, Mullah, you haven't also got hair. You also haven't got hair. Mullah Dupiaza was prepared, and he said, well, you are the distributor, and I am the receiver. You are the distributor of wealth, and I am the you give so much and I receive so much. The both of us don't have hair. Again, Bacha Salamat, very happy. The king was very, very happy. Yeah? Subhanallah. After a few days, the king again in his gathering looked at, looked at the people and he said, there's something wrong here. So he called Mullah Dupiaza. He says, Mulladi, I haven't got hair, you answered. You haven't got hair, you answered. The whole world hasn't got hair. What about that? How do you answer that? Mullah Dupiaza looked at the king and he says, Well, the truth is all of them are envious and jealous. And in their jealousy both, what they do is that they rub their hands, they rub their hands, huh, being envious and they are very jealous that they are not amongst those that distribute and they are not amongst those that receive. And so because of that they haven't got hair. Subhanallah, subhanallah. Huh? So this lady actually understood, my respected brothers, that he is a simple man, but he gives like a king. This is Abdullah ibn Qais, rahmatullah alayh. And she said that, in all of my years of begging, I have not seen anyone give money like how the Muslims give wealth. And I knew that he is the leader of the Muslims. And she gave information to the guards, and eventually... This marked the shahadat of Hazrat Abdullah ibn Qais. Now we have to be very very careful my respected brothers. Alhamdulillah. Today what we see is that Allah has blessed, blessed the Muslims with a lot of wealth. And those that are very very rich, unfortunately don't know how to <coughs> channel the wealth in the, to the right source. They don't know how to channel the wealth to the right source. Or otherwise you'll find that the Muslim community is actually squandering the wealth squandering fuzul kharch spending it in things they should not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq Allahu Akbar wealth is also an amana and that we should be making sure that we understand how we should spend this wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and we are being watched that is a fact we are being watched it is said that Never mind the Kiram and Katibin, but also others are watching us. <laughs> it is said about, of course, the Kiram and Katibin, mashallah, record everything. Yeah. Uh, there was this young Molana, a young graduate who qualified as an alim in the city of London, and he took up a job as an imam in one of the masjids in London. Mm-hmm. Now he was living on the other side of where the masjid was. Mm-hmm. 
So he would commute daily. Now to come from one side to another side from London, uh, it would take a lot of time. So what he did is that he would commute by uh, public transport, by the bus. And so he had his time. Every time before Zohar, he would travel by bus, get to the masjid, and maybe later on, just before Madrasa time, he would travel and get to the masjid. And so when you're traveling on a daily basis, people get to know you. You actually see the same faces all the time. At times, even the bus driver will know you. Because you're, you're in the same bus at the same time, all the time. There might be other people also commuting in the bus. And so he was in the bus one day, and he realized that the bus driver had given him 20 pence extra change 20 pence extra change so he looked at it and he said oh boy, today 20 pence extra and now the nafs that is there waswasa he said to himself oh 20 pence what's 20 pence going to do 20 pence is not going to make uh, the London borough of transport very rich what is 20 pence nothing And he said, as it is, they make a lot of money, so 20 pence today is my treat. Now these are the wasavis that are entering. This is from shaitan. As a human being, waswasa come. Who's going to stand and give 20 pence to the bus driver? But he said, no. I have to give 20 pence. The good side, alhamdulillah, overpowered the evil side. And he stood up and he went to the bus driver and he gave 20 pence to the bus driver. The bus driver looked at him and he said, I'm very proud of you. What did he say? I'm very proud of you. I have been studying Islam. I have been studying Islam. And I have studied the character of Prophet Muhammad. And that they call him Amin, the man who was very trustworthy. And I was just testing you. I was just testing the level of your Iman, the level of your faith. How, how much of faith is in you if you profess that you are the follower of this man who I am studying and I know that you are the imam of the masjid and I could only afford to give you 20 pence extra but I wanted to, to check your faith and he said I am very proud of you yes. Allahu Akbar this imam went out of the bus lifted up his hands and he made dua and he said Shukr to my Allah, all praises be to my Allah, that He saved my Iman for 20 pence. The Iman was saved for 20 pence. There are people out there, my respected brothers, that look at you doing whatever you are doing. And you can have an impact. And so wealth is an amana. Look at this story of Abdullah ibn Qas. Even the beggars were influenced by the Muslims. Whatever the result, and this is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever the result. But he gave so much, this was fitrat, this was part of the character of the Muslims, that they were not prejudiced, be it Muslim or non-Muslims, anyone who was in need, they would want to support their fellow human beings, be it Muslims or non-Muslims. And in fact, this is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, though with the masail of zakat, is that you can only give to your Muslim brothers, but as far as your sadaqat is concerned, as far as your lillah is concerned, as far as your wealth that is concerned, you can give to anyone who is in need. Subhanallah. My respected brothers, going back to the 
story of the people of Cyprus in the year 32 after Hijri the Cypriots violated their peace treaty with the Muslims and they were bullied and pressured by the Byzantine army and they attacked the Muslim coastal area violating the peace treaty immediately information was given to Hazrat Amir Muawiyah and Hazrat Amir Muawiyah got very angry and a very powerful Muslim navy was mobilized again this time the Cypriots and also the Byzantine people were prepared and ready to defend themselves and Hazrat Amir Muawiyah consulting uh, the seniors with him he said we will attack the island of Cyprus from two sides the first attack will be under the leadership of Hazrat Amir Muawiyah himself and the second attack will be from the other side and the person in charge will be Abdullah ibn Sa'd the first one who got shaheed is Hazrat Abdullah ibn Qais the second man in charge uh, is Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'd so the first attack will be with Hazrat Amir Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala an and alhamdulillah when the Muslims got there uh, it was a lot of fighting between the Muslims and the Kuffar the people of Cyprus but alhamdulillah eventually victory was with the Muslims a lot of the, the Kuffar the Byzantine soldiers were killed and also the Cypriots were killed and a lot of them were taken as prisoners but alhamdulillah victory was with the Muslims and in fact the people of Cyprus had no choice but to surrender and alhamdulillah Muslims did not come with an intention to invade Muslims came with the intention to make sure that what, what is with them is secure and safe and there was already a peace treaty which was violated by the people of Cyprus and they wanted to renew the peace treaty again Hazrat Amir Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala also accept, accepted this and he said fine but this time he did not do uh, well I shouldn't say a mistake what he did not do previously was that all of the Muslims went back to the own Muslim territory this time what he did is that he moved 12,000 soldiers Muslim soldiers from Ba'lebak from Ba'lebak he transferred them to Cyprus the island of Cyprus and he stationed them there because it was the habit of the Byzantines that they would bully the people of Cyprus and they would put a lot of pressure on the people of Cyprus because they did not have an army and so what the Muslims decided is to protect the people of Cyprus and so 12,000 Muslim soldiers were deployed in that part of the region and the first thing that was constructed was a beautiful masjid a beautiful masjid there in fact an entire new city was uh, constructed for the Muslims there the soldiers, the families also had moved there Alhamdulillah and they were there to protect the people of Cyprus this was done and Alhamdulillah for many years to come there was never a problem with the people of Cyprus now there is one incident <coughs> Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala an had noticed that so many of them were taken as prisoners the Byzantines and also those that wanted to fight the Muslims the Muslims had taken them as prisoners remember these were the instructions given to the Muslim soldiers that don't kill if you can take them as 
captives, imprison them, that would be better. Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala and saw uh, a great load and stock of all the kuffar that were there taken as prisoners and he looked at them and he started to cry. Now Hazrat Abu Darda is a very special sahabi of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the one who narrated the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam on the virtue of the durood. And so he started crying. So Hazrat Jubair radiallahu ta'ala came to him and looked at the eyes of Hazrat Abu Darda. And he said, you weep and you cry at the victory of Islam. This is victory for the Muslims and you are weeping. Hazrat Abu Darda looked at Hazrat Jubair and said, I don't cry against the victory of the Muslims. I'm not crying <laughs> against the victory of the Muslims, but I'm crying at the fact that how insignificant insan is. That only if these people would have obeyed Allah and His Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, subhanallah, honor would be with them. But for anyone who turns away from the teachings of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they are humiliated in this dunya and also a severe humiliation and a punishment for them in the hereafter. Because they will be punished in the hereafter. Now, this was the inner condition of the companions. Like how today we become and embrace people who are new Muslims. And we get very happy. Alhamdulillah, this man became a Muslim. This man became a Muslim. But for the companions, as they showed joy and happiness to those who embraced Islam, it was also difficult for them to see those who turned away from Iman and Islam. It was very painful for them. Because they knew that in the hereafter for them it is only hellfire. And that is why my respected brothers, whenever you read the history of the Muslims, you will notice that at times many prisoners were taken. (laughs) Many prisoners were taken and these prisoners were taken not with the intention to quickly turn them into slaves. Allahu Akbar. But the intention was to expose them to Islam. That was the intention. They took many, many prisoners. Why? To expose them to Islam. Allahu Akbar. And this is an irrefutable fact, my respected brothers, that the Muslims treated their slaves like how parents would treat their children. This is a fact. The Muslims would treat their slaves like how parents would treat their children. And that is why... 99.99% of all of the slaves that were exposed to Islam had embraced Islam. Many of them. Allahu Akbar. And they were given freedom. Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf freed 30,000 slaves. How many? Today, 30,000. If you open up the New Testament, nowhere in the New Testament is there a mentioning of giving freedom to the slaves, or even treating the slaves properly. Nowhere in the New Testament. In fact, if you read the Hebrew Sharia, or the Sharia given to the Banu Israel, in a sense, what they had corrupted themselves, it is said that if, if you were to borrow money from someone and you could not repay him, then the creditor had the power to make the debtor into a slave, to turn him into a slave. Because you can't pay me, you are my slave. This was in their sharia. Allahu Akbar. But in Islam, 
Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam during Hajjatul Wida, the intention was to expose them to Islam. Alhamdulillah. That is why it is so important that we have beautiful masjids to expose Islam to the wider community, to speak to people about this. And so Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam during Hajjatul Wida said to the companions that were there, more than a hundred thousand, that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the slaves that Allah has given you. Those that are under you. Fear Allah. Fear Allah. Of the slaves that you have. And what did he say? He said, what you eat, allow them to share the same food. The clothes that you put on, allow them to share the same clothes with you. In fact, anybody who came to Medina Munawwara, one could not identify who is the master and who is the slave. This was the condition. That today... The master is wearing one kurta. Tomorrow the slave will say, I will put on this same kurta. Open the, the cupboard and that's it. Take it out. No problem. This is how the Muslims were treating Allahu Akbar Kabira. In fact, in the hadith it comes, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa said, Don't even say to a slave that he is my slave. This is my slave girl, my slave. No. Allahu Akbar. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa said, Say, he is my son. Or say he is my daughter. Say that. Allahu Akbar. An example that we have is of that slave who Hazrat Khadijatul Kubra had purchased. His name was Hazrat Zaid radiallahu ta'ala. And Hazrat Khadija had gifted Hazrat Zaid to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam treated him with such love and affection that in Makkah people started calling him <coughs> Muhammad bin Abdullah. Yes. Yeah, right. Muhammad, sorry, uh, Zaid bin, uh, Zaid bin Zaid Muhammad. Bin. Zaid bin Muhammad, forgive me. That Zaid who is the son of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa In fact, this became so common that people really thought that Hazrat Zaid is the son of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam until the verses were revealed, Ma kana Muhammadun. That it is not right for anyone to call Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as their father. Unless of course Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the biological father. He treated Hazrat Zaid with such love that they would call him Zaid bin Muhammad. Zaid the son of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In fact, the slaves had the freedom to marry the most honorable amongst the Quraysh. Hazrat Zaid got married to the cousin of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whose name is Hazrat Zainab. Hazrat Zainab radiallahu ta'ala. Subhanallah al-Azim. And in fact it is said that the father and the uncle once came to Makkatul Mukarrama in search of their son, in search of Hazrat Zaid. And finally they located him and they came. Imagine this long and difficult journey, the father and the uncle comes, and they find out that Hazrat Zaid is with Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They came to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and a bag of gold coins was with them, and they said to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that Zaid is my son, and whatever price you want for Zaid, we are prepared to give. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looked at Zaid and said, Zaid, do you recognize the two? And he said, Naam ya Rasulullah, one is my father and one is my uncle. 
Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I don't want the money, Zaid, you can go, you are free. Hazrat Zaid radiallahu ta'ala an started to cry, a slave here, started to cry, and he pleaded to the father and uncle and he said, please go away, please go away. Allah. I don't want to go, come with you, I want to stay with my Nabi, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa This was the treatment that the Muslims gave my respected brothers. No. Hazrat Bilal, what a sahabi. Everybody knows of Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala an. Subhanallah al-azim. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala an, when he wanted to get married, when he wanted to do nikah, news spread in Makkatul Mukarramah that Bilal has decided to make nikah, he's ready to get married. In fact, people came and they would even joke around with Hazrat Bilal. Bilal is going to get married. Bilal is going to get married. Subhanallah. It is said that the most noble amongst the Qurayshi people were prepared to give their daughters to Hazrat Bilal. Subhanallah. The most honorable. He was an Abyssinian, a slave in Makkah. And everybody knew that. In fact, he would accompany Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam wherever Allah's Nabi went. And, and this is what was disliked by the mushrikeen of Makkah. They said to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we would listen to you, but the problem we have is we always see the slaves with you. That the slaves are with you. And that is why we wish not to sit with you. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala an was given the honor of being the first muazzin of the masjid and when Fatih Makkah, Makkah Mukarramah was conquered, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to Bilal, Bilal, climb at the roof of the Kaaba and chant the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> climb on top and say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. This is the honor given to Hazrat Bilal. In fact, when Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala an passed away, subhanallah al-azim, my respected brothers, it is said that a man like Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an came to him and when he looked at the face of Hazrat Bilal, he started crying and he said to the people, today my master has passed away. Who is saying? Hazrat Umar is calling Hazrat Bilal, Sayyidi, my master Bilal has passed away. Oh, my respected brothers, this was the treatment that the Muslim gave to even the prisoners and even to the slaves, but the purpose and the intention was not to keep them as slaves permanently, but to expose them to Iman and Islam and to give them, subhanallah, that ticket of Jannah by saying, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala, in her lifetime she freed 67 slaves. How many? 67. Hazrat Hakim ibn Hizam, 100. Hakim ibn Hizam. And I said, Abdurrahman ibn Auf, kidney? 30,000. But even more than all of the companions was Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Countless slaves he gave freedom to. In fact, even Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala an was purchased. The freedom of Hazrat Bilal was purchased by Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq that we follow the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I wanted to end the chapter of Cyprus and inshallah we will continue with the Futuhat of Egypt and also Philistine and the different regions uh, that the Muslims had conquered 
during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiyallahu ta'ala an wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidil Mursaleen Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna inna kanta tawabur rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk ya musarrifu al-kulub sarrif kulubana ala ta'atik wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalkihi muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa zurriyatihi wa ahli bayti yajma'in birahmatika ya arhamar rahimin